When I opened the first men's warehouse 10 years ago, I thought price was everything. I'm George Zimmer, president of the men's warehouse. As discounting has caught on, I found that quality and service are as important as price. While others may sell seconds, irregulars, and old merchandise, you'll never find that at the men's warehouse. What you will find is the same quality clothes sold in the finest stores for at least 20% less. I guarantee it. The Men's Warehouse, San Jose, Mountain View, Redwood City, San Francisco, Newark, and Pleasant Hill. So what's your style? Now, when I ask that question, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Was it your fashion sense? Are you fashionable? Is the main goal of your outfit to match your sneakers? Do you ask your significant other if they approve of what you're wearing, and if so, does it matter what they say back? Do you call that new shirt or scarf or bag or dress an investment? Yeah, you might have style. Or when I ask, what's your style, do you think of, how do I behave? Like, what's my personality like? How do I live? Now, there are tons of tests, of course. You've got your Myers-Briggs, and whether you're an ISTJ, ISFJ, INFJ, ISTP, ISFP, or an LMNOPQRXTUV, and then there's the type A versus type B, and the Berkman method, and the Kiersey temperament sorter, and the true colors personality, the Enneagram, the EQSQ test, the big five personality test, and of course, maybe the biggest of all, what's your astrological sign? all of it to figure out what's your style of life i'm a cancer by the way and right now there's at least 10 of you going "Uh uh-huh that explains a lot but in the end what is our style if we're given a personality test usually by our work it's to figure out how to put us optimally into the slot or the team where we'll perform the best Or if we take it ourselves, it's to try and give us some insight into how we'll make a decision or why we make the decisions we do. Of course I talk to myself, and I have excellent memory, and I have great visualization skills. I'm an INTJ, and I'm a workaholic, total Capricorn. Except when I'm not. What happens when we do things that are outside of our style? When you feel deeply your creative, artistic side, except you're a Sagittarius, you're an INFJ, you're a type A, what is going on? Well, as it turns out, we're all of those things. Certainly we have tendencies, we have patterns, and maybe it has something to do with how the stars and planets were aligned on the day we were born, or maybe it has something to do with our genetics, or maybe it has something to do with the way we were raised, or a combination of a million other things. But more than likely, we're just us. Maybe our style is just a reflection of who we are as people, our attitudes, in any given moment. And it can change and evolve with us. Maybe our style is, as the wonderful poet Richard Eberhardt put it, the perfection of a point of view. So the view might change, but our habits in perfecting it don't. Now that's having a style. And that's the theme of our show today. What's your style? Are we just glomming on to the fashion and habits of the day? Or are we perfecting a point of view on the world? And now it's time for Joe and I to do our little catwalk. A little bit of a different show this week as we talk about our style and how we work. You ready to try on some new outfits? Then let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 189 of PNR's This Old Marketing. A little bit of a special episode this week, recorded on Monday, June 26th, 2017. And with me, as always, is my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and the most jet-lagged, but yet most stylish man in content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Welcome home. Oh, thank you. You know what? It has... See, I got off the plane at uh, 6.30, so an hour 
ago, I was on a plane, and I've been up all day. We flew in from Barcelona, and uh, specifically to record this podcast. That Actually, is right. There is, is how no, much we there care. Is no rest for the weary. <laughs> there is no rest for the weary. Oh. You are here. You are alive, and you had a grand time. I, I take had a it. grand time. We did um, an eight. Let's see, I guess in full ten day family vacation. Uh, with we took the boys. We took a cruise. Started in Barcelona. We went to Naples, Rome, Florence, Cannes, and then uh, Palma in Spain and ended up back in Barcelona. And it was totally offline. Everyone was offline, which was tough for my sons, too. So it was like, we just, but it was an incredible experience. I'm so refreshed and uh, I'm so appreciative of, uh, of life right now. So it's just a nice place to be. Aww. I'm going to try to stay in this moment for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with so, that, my friend. Yeah. So you, yeah. And you had, I mean, you were traveling too. So, I mean, I you, were, did, you were yeah. actually working. I, you were the one that I was... I was actually <laughs> working. Yeah, that's right. I spent, yeah. um, I spent a few days in London and then went to, uh, for the first time, I went to Dublin, actually. And I spent... Um, I got to work with a client there, which was an amazing client to work with. Um, they're an e-commerce company called uh, Little Woods, and uh, they're an e-commerce, um, and they sell a lot of different things, but they're just a really cool little company. And then I got to spend the weekend in Dublin, so I got to see and walk and do Dublin, which is just an amazing little city. Um, and little is the operative word. I mean, I think I walked the whole thing in like two hours, and... But then the coolest thing was uh, my client there, who is now a friend, really, uh, he took me to see hurling. Have you ever seen hurling before? No, I don't even it's know what that coolest is. It's the coolest sport. It's the coolest. So he took me way out into the Irish countryside, and we watched the hurling matches, which is, you have to imagine ice hockey mixed with baseball. So basically, imagine ice hockey players with baseball bats playing at like NCAA college football speed. I mean, they hit each other. It's so it's basically wow. you 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 hit a ball and then you, you know, you can you can sort of hold it on your stick, your bat like an egg toss and run with it if you want to, but then otherwise you have to hit it to pass it or hit it to go over the goal. And it's, you know, a lot of scoring, a lot of hitting. A lot. It's just a cool sport. And it's not hard to follow at all. It's really simple to follow. I got totally hooked. And it was great. It was The whole atmosphere is just wild. And it's like 50,000 people in the stands. Is there, and it's, is there it's drinking great. that goes on? Oh, well, it's Ireland. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Think? Yeah. This there sounds, is, it sounds yeah, there's, fantastic. There's, there's drinking everywhere <laughs> in Ireland. Yes, it's, it's, it's great. So anyway, yes, I had, and I had Guinness, and it was a, a, a wonderful time. Wonderful way to cap off um, a, a work week there in Europe. But, you oh, know. That's, that's tremendous. Yeah. I, not I, taking cruises up the, you know, up to Naples and Rome. Well, well it, it, we, we were blessed. We literally had perfect weather. It was 85 degrees. It wasn't a beautiful. It was the, Europe day. is just amazing oh, right now. It's I unbelievable. Could, All of Europe is just unbelievably great. I could not believe, but I have to tell you this because I haven't been able to talk to anybody about this or, or share it on Facebook, so I haven't told anybody. But there were, there were so many moments where, you know, you turn your head and you just, you, you, it almost takes your breath away. Yeah. And there were three specific things I wanted to tell you about because I know you right. appreciate it. So, And then if people listening to this don't appreciate it, I'm sorry. Uh, this is, <laughs> that's just the way it's going to be. We told so, you it was going to be a special you. episode. So as, we're, so as you know, we're on the cruise, uh, Naples, lovely, lovely city. But then we get to, to Rome and... We wanted to go. I wanted to go see the Coliseum. Everybody says got to go see the Coliseum, and we we tried to ride the subways, the metros there whenever possible. My son loves to do that, loves the metro in in the tube in London. So everywhere we go, we're riding the subway, and we right. get off the subway at the Coliseum stop, and literally it's right there. It's right in front of you. And I almost lost my breath because you walk out of the metro and there's the structure and you're looking at it like how in the world, well, I know how they built it, but you're like, how did they build that? And it's so huge. It's right in front of you. So that sort of took my breath away. And then the next one was, uh, we were in Florence the next day and we went to, I forgot the name of it. It's the Museum d'Academie, Academic Museum sure. in Florence, where Michelangelo's David is. 
Okay. Yeah. And we had we didn't have a lot of time. So we sort of paid a little bit extra to, to sort of to one of the outside people that hound you and say, How we got we've gotta get in here. How fast can we do this? We go and I go in with my son Adam and we turn the corner and there's David. And I'm just It's amazing, isn't it? It's it's it it, it, oh. it will literally take your breath away. It's 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 stunning, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I had no, you yeah. have no idea. You know, you've seen it in pictures. Oh, sure. It makes you but, cry. But you have it's, no it's, idea. Yeah. And I'm like, Adam and I are just looking at it like, I cannot believe it. So we took like a thousand pictures in there. Um, some interesting ones too, which I'll share with you because, <laughs> as you know, there's lots of things going on around David. And then the third one. Uh, was uh, have you been to Barcelona before? I have never been to Spain. No, oh, I really, really want to go. So now you got to put that on your list. Yeah, because this ha- this was yesterday. So the last day we went to the I think it's the Sagrada Familia, the cathed- the big cathedral there that they've been working on for a hundred years, and I have never seen a structure like this before. I mean, they've basically been working on it in periods for the last hundred years. Yeah. And there is new architecture and old architecture, but it's all built on Gaudi's vision of, of that cathedral. And I walked into, I mean, first of all, you, again, again, you get off the subway and you see it there and then you go inside and just uh, so many of those moments. Um, just so appreciative that, uh, it, it almost gives you perspective, like the perspective, like, you know, did you know that Michelangelo worked on David for two years, almost, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days? Yeah. And then just six months, took six months just to polish it. Yeah. So it kind of puts it in perspective of, you know, I got to get this blog post out. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about quality over exactly, quantity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, it's just, I mean, the thing that amazes me every time I go to Europe is, is, you know, there are struck, you are walking around structures that have stood for, you know, 1500 years, right? I mean, they've, you know, they're, they're, they've been standing in the same place for 1500 years and, and operating for 1500 years, which quite frankly, is, you know, 1200 years more than this country has been alive, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's just the, the, the sheer, you know, history there is just, it can be overwhelming sometimes. And so, and we'll we'll end on this. But I, I told you before the show, I've got a, I think, an interesting example of content marketing that I found in one of the paintings, in oh, a series of paintings. All right. And I think it's a little bit of a stretch, but I think we're going to make it. And plus, I haven't done a this old marketing example in like three months. Right. So. And this show is no exception. You're not going to do one this show. So, <laughs> so, so next week. So hey, we'll save it for next week. I got week. your back next week, my friend. Yeah. I'm All doing right. it. So there you All go. All right. So as we promised last week, um, we're going to do a little bit of a different show uh, just because you haven't been paying attention to the news. And I have I no haven't idea been what's paying going attention on. to the news. Yeah. And so. Instead of doing the news this week, we're going to talk a little bit about how we work. Um, and uh, this is something we've been asked before, and we thought we'd make a thing about it. And um, and so this is the part where if you're not interested in how we work, you can simply skip to the end and listen to this old marketing and call it a day. But if you're interested, um, we took some questions. We got a a few questions over Twitter, a bunch of questions over email, actually. Um, and we sort of put a few of them together here, and we thought we'd make uh, make this the meat of the show. So um, I'm going to just kick it off here uh, and ask you this question. It was asked of both of us, but but primarily to you, um, which is how, you know, you're, I mean, and I know it's a little different over the last week and a half because you've been traveling and on vacation, but when you're actually working, <laughs> what, what is your, what is your day like? I mean, what do you do? You know, when do you check email? Do you go to meetings? What, you know, what does your average day look like and how has it changed if at all after, since the acquisition by UBM? Uh, that's a lot. There's a lot of questions in that. Um, yeah. So I think, but I, but I think it's it's important to go back to ten years ago to, to two thousand seven because that's when I spent a lot of my time in my day thinking about what my audience actually wanted and needed to hear, 
and coming up with top like blog posts topics. So at that you know, in two thousand seven, it was just you know the what is now the Content Marketing Institute website and blog. It was just me, and I was blogging about three or four times a week. And some of these were pretty lengthy blogs, so anywhere from seven hundred fifty words to two thousand words. And I had a note, basically a notebook with me at all times, where I would. Um, jot down topics and this is so this is all oh, I, I would think of that and, and i would i would come up with these ideas as i was walking outside as i was playing with the, the with the boys as i was reading a, a new book and what i found to, for for to give the to get the best ideas actually they come at times when if because if i'm sitting at my where i don't know if you're like this robert but if i'm sitting at my workstation thinking oh my gosh i need to do a blog post i'm in trouble like, That's right. It's you're you don't want that. It it just inspiration just doesn't hit me that way. Maybe it does some other people. I get my idea while I'm reading another book, like I'm reading a fiction or a nonfiction book, specifically fiction. Like the weirder the book, the more I get an, an idea uh, for a content marketing piece, or I get a lot of ideas when I speak at events. So I'll talk to somebody about their problem and, I, and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is a real problem. I had this conversation. Maybe I can take the snippets of what we talked about and turn that into a how-to piece. Um, so a lot of my day was around thinking about what my audience was. And that's, that's, that's outside of, you know, getting the bills done. And because at that time, you know, basically just a one man show until 2010. So it's about three years of just trying to build an audience, figure out what they needed. And then I, you know, a good part of that day, you know, so let's say I spent an hour or two writing. And by the way, when I say writing in 2007, it was pretty bad. I mean, I, I don't even like going back to those posts because <laughs> it was like I was practicing. You right. know, you think at that time when you well, write sure, a post. sure, it's part of your 10,000 hours, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it. Yeah. and even today, I still have a long way to go. I don't necessarily consider myself a great writer. I think I'm okay. I think I'm, so, I mean, <laughs> I don't know where okay puts me on the, the list of content marketing writers, but I'm, I think I'm, I, I probably, I'm probably better just because I've been doing it long enough and I've been around long and I've made enough mistakes to see what, the audience is interested in and what seems to resonate. So, you know, I'd spent one or two hours on writing and then, you know, one or two hours at that time on distribution because I wasn't paying for any distribution. So a lot of it was I was building relationships on Twitter and on LinkedIn and building connections and distributing content and at commenting was huge at that time so i would and it still is to a lot of people so whether it's a forum or whether it's on blog posts i'm still trying to be i'm trying to be part of that uh conversation now let's fast forward to let's just go two years ago or a year ago before the acquisition right Right. where i'm doing a lot less writing i'm doing a lot less distribution because once you have an audience it's a, a lot of things work themselves out your audience Built, start, you know, they talk to each other. They sort of the, your your key advocates help you build that audience. Share. I mean, I think the podcast is a good testament to that. Where, you know, we sort of just started it and had an audience almost immediately because we already had an. You had your audience. I had my audience, and CMI had an audience, and we were able to grow very very quickly. So those things are great. Like if you and I decided decided to do something else, some other crazy idea. <laughs> even though it might be horrible, we'd probably pick up an audience pretty quickly because people are interested in what we're saying. I don't know why. Um, the one thing I was, I want to get your take on this because I don't want to monopolize the question, but I, I do think it's important. What has really worked for me is in 2007, I set the goal that every two years I would write a book. And I wrote a book in 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015, in 2017, two of those books are with you. And and one was with New Barrett, Barrett the first one, and the other two were individual. Um, but that sort of thing where you have to set goals, and I'm a prolific goal setter, and I have a separate notebook just for goals. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're in the creative space, if you're in content marketing, if you're a financial professional, it doesn't matter. You need to keep a list of your goals and review them ongoing or you get lost in the day. For example, you 
you asked about email. I sometimes get lost in email and I have to go back to my goals and remember that, uh, you know, email's not helping me with many of these goals. So I have to make sure that I sit. So what I try to do today is I check it basically in the morning and at the end of the day. And I, because you could be an email all day long. And those people that I found, and myself included, when I'm an email all day long, I basically get nothing done. So I've got to make sure that I, I get myself as far away from social media and, and email at specific times for those instead of being on, on all day. So that's a little bit about. Uh, how I work to, I mean, very much today I'm, 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 my role in CMI is to be strategic. It's to think about the overall strategy is to go out and speak, to be the rainmaker whenever possible, um, to drive new opportunities, to think about new opportunities, those types of things, much different than where I was doing a little bit of everything and just trying to scratch and claw and and survive, uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's, it's, you know, I'm I'm the guy out there scratching and clawing for your rainmaking capabilities. <laughs> Come on. So I'm kidding. Um, you know, for me, it's you know, I, I am the guy who does get lost in email. Sadly, I have not had the discipline like you have. Um, I can certainly find. So I try and do you know because that's a. Um, I don't know if you took it. This this is a Tim. That was a Tim Ferriss thing from the four uh, the four hour work week. The check it in the morning and check it in the yep. afternoon. Yep, exactly. Thing so. Um, I tried to apply that. Um, it works for me sometimes, and it doesn't work for me most times. And so it's one of my weaknesses, candidly, and it's something I'm trying to get better at, which is segmenting my time more um, – because you're absolutely right. Email rarely – it's a lot of noise, right? And and you can get caught up in the noise um, and and find yourself just, you know – in the me too, you know, sort of replying chain and, and all of that kind of thing. And it, and it, and it can be really distracting when a lot of things will work themselves out. If you just sort of wait, um, and respond at the end of the day or something like that, Correct. the, you know, most of my day, quite frankly, is spent either, you know, working in terms of, uh, talking with clients, um, talking with, uh, you know, the, the places where I'm going to go speak, talking or, and or writing the materials that I'm creating. So I spend as you, you know, as you just said, I spend probably the greatest majority of my time writing something. And and where I, you know, my ideas mostly come from conversations that I have with people. Um, they sometimes come from a book, but most of the time they're coming from some conversation I had with somebody. It, and and quite frankly, it might not be about marketing. It might be about you know, metaphysical things. It could be about the zoo. It could be about politics. It could be about work. It could be about just about anything. But mostly what I find is, is that interchange in the, in a conversation usually spurs some kind of idea for me. And that's where I, you know, it's where I write almost all my weekly posts for the intelligent content blog every week. It's where I come up for the introductions to this show. It's, it's, they're all in the conversations that I'm having with people. So most of my day is either spent on the telephone or in, you know, in, um, uh, in, in front of Microsoft Word, you know, staring at that little blinking cursor saying, I got to put some words in there. So, yeah, well, that's, well, that's talk most about, of my day. I mean, I'm fascinated by your idea generation. Let's just, I mean, not even for the blog, but just take for the show. I mean, how, when do you get that idea? I mean, we, so I, you have it to me on time every Monday for me to do production. When do you start with that idea? Is it after reading a news post? Is it, does it happen all in one day? Is it a three, four day process where you kind of hone it? I mean, what, it how can does that be work? any of the above. Yeah. It, 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 it is most often, um, a one day process. I usually start thinking about it and I'm completely honest here. This is going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm, I'm not. I, I usually start thinking about it as I have, my first glass of wine or cocktail on a Friday night. Uh, I start, you know, I just sort of let my mind wander and I sit and relax. I'm either sitting outside, you know, and, you know, watching the sunset or, you know, just basically ending the work week and not thinking about marketing. Because as you know, listening to all the show intros there, it's rarely about marketing, right? It's about, you know, life. Um, And so it, it usually starts then. And I usually... When I wake up on Saturday, I sort of let myself sleep on some ideas. And usually by Saturday morning, I've got some inkling of what I'm going to say. And 
I think about it as I'm driving to the workout and all of that. And by Saturday afternoon, before I go to dinner, I'm usually pounding it out, you know, you know, just sit or sit. And then I usually record it on Sunday. Um, and, you know, Sunday morning before I get, I like to get up early on Sundays and sort of have morning time by myself to do journaling or some, you know, creative writing and that sort of thing. And that's usually when I do it. And then I usually record it sometime on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, depending on my schedule, and then, and then get it to you as, 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 you know, on Monday. The, when you, Let's say that you're going to do a blog post. You're going to write a blog post uh, or, or one of the newsletter articles. Do do you sometimes abandon one? Like, do you come up with an idea and say, "Oh, you get a little bit through and you're done," or do you like sort of shape <laughs> all the time. it all the time, all yeah. the time, all the time? I've got a whole Evernote folder full of abandoned ideas that I thought were that were. I did it today. I wrote my I wrote my ICC post. Um, that I needed to write it a little early this week um, for some folks that are going out on vacation. Um, and I, so I wrote, I wrote a whole post and then went, this is entirely inappropriate. I was making a joke and I won't even go into the joke, but I, I had this stupid idea um, to do this joke. And I read the post after when it went, it's kind of funny, but it's entirely inappropriate for this audience. So I'm going to let it go. <laughs> now everybody's going, I want to know what okay. that is. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. So you're going to have to, you're going to have yeah. to go. Well, let me one. just put it this way. The head, the title of the post, <laughs> I can't even believe I'm going to say this. So the title of the post was, does the carpet match the drapes? And so <laughs> I'm just going to let your imagination run wild folks about what metaphor I might be Pulling into marketing and content. Oh my god! But yeah, yeah. we're just gonna go right on from that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, the the one. I mean, you were asking about, um, you know, my day, and then I was talking a little bit about the books and the writing. But the one thing, I, I bet the one question that I get along with the, you know, my kind of how I work and how I write is how do I spend time writing a book? Like, how do you? Yeah. How do you do that process? And I mean, I don't know. I haven't come across a lot of people that do it the way that that I do it. Uh, but I got the idea from Seth Godin, and Seth Godin did what? What was his book? The Dip? I think it was The Dip. Yeah, that's where one basically of the nine jillion. One of the nine jillion, and that yeah. whole book was a book of blog posts. Yeah. And he basically says it in the beginning. He says, "This is a bunch of my blog posts that I put together, and I just sort of added them, and here you go." And I'm like, "Wow." So he basically just repurposed all that, and that's when I when I came to the second book idea, um, which um, my my first standalone one, which was epic content marketing. Thinking, and how do I do this? So I'm two years out from when I want to publish it. So first of all, I've got the goal, but the second thing is, how do I get to the point where six months before that's due, I've got seventy five to ninety percent of that book done? So what you do is you plan out, and I end up blog because i've got to write and i write one two three times a week at that point so i'm like well why don't i just write the chapters up front and then when i get to that point and i'm ready to edit i can put it all together so what happened is is basically a month before the manuscript was due i went through i, I basically had 90 percent of the book written already because i had worked on that and that was part of the plan and i had oh here's the chapters and here's what they would be so that Basically, the last, I don't know, two to three weeks of production is editing, your own editing, before you actually send it to the right. to the book editor. And I don't know about you, Robert, but man, I know we did, we did a little bit of that because a lot of killing marketing came from you know blog posts and other writing and newsletter posts. I mean, a lot of – I took a lot of the newsletter articles that I put together for CMIs Weekly and sort of reshaped those into parts of the book – um, but did it on purpose, thinking, "Oh, this will be. I'm going to use this for the newsletter, but I'm going to then repurpose it in the book." And that works really well. And it seems like the audience has never said, "Hey, Joe, you can't do that. Like, it's all <laughs> hey. got to be 100 percent original." Hey, <laughs> hey, stop it! <laughs> but nobody's nobody's ever said, "Oh, Joe, you've used that as a blog post before." I mean, we do tweak it a little bit, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, you do you. Have you, like with experiences, was that all when you wrote experiences, the book, was that all like brand new, fresh, never been seen before stuff? Or did you read 90% of it is. Yeah. So you work a lot I, differently than I do. From. I do. I do. I, 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 
my writing habits for a larger piece like a book come from my it they're just habits built up during my screenplay writing days which is i start with the most basic you know which is a you know i have my abstract which then gets turned into an outline the outline then gets turned into note cards the note cards then get put up on a wall i reorganize those note cards for a long time get the arc of the story the way i want it um, and then basically write one pagers, one page abstracts for each note card, which is typically each chapter. And then from each abstract for each chapter, I then write the chapter. And there are occasions and certainly there are chapters and experiences that pull from things that I've written before, because that would just be silly not to, yeah. right? It would just be silly not to sort of, because it, it says what I want it to say. And it's either tweaked and or edited heavily, but for the most part, experiences um, is, is yeah, start, you know, now Carla, obviously, you know, she and I, we worked a little differently than you and I worked together. So Carla and I, the way we worked was we, we ended up um, uh, writing, you know, divvying up our chapters, writing them and then trading them. And then we would traded chapters and basically wrote into each other's chapters as, as, as it went along. So all the chapters became sort of, you know, both of ours as we as we wrote it which you and i basically wrote our own chapters and we're there in killing marketing they're even bylined you know by by us separately so it was a little different from that perspective but um yeah i tend to think of it more as a as a one larger piece than a than a than an aggregation of smaller pieces which you know it means that I usually take longer and it, you, and it, I don't know that you end up with a better work product at the end of the day, but it, but it, but it feels more, it feels more, mm -hmm. um, it, like I'm getting it all out, right? Like I'm, you know, the, 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 I tried basically pulling together like lots of little blog posts and, and making bigger pieces. And it always feels like I'm missing something. Like I'm, like I'm not, I haven't connected the ideas in a way that I really want to connect them. So you and I probably couldn't work differently. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, right. we, I mean, we are yeah. at the total other the opposite ends of the landscape there. So I guess you know, to those people listening, hey, it's okay. You don't have to do it. You'd be kind of lean in uh, to what you're used to because I've been repurposing a lot throughout the years, and you, I mean, like, so let, I mean, kind of the same thing with your presentations. What I'm in awe of your presentations that you do and where I'm sort of moving through some of these questions because we got a question on how do you put together presentations and yeah. I would like to know you do a lot of different presentations I so do how how do you you know how do you put together your presentations as you go for your different talks and then plus you're you've you're a great designer I would actually use a great PowerPoint designer which I always just wanted to ask you to design my PowerPoints because I can't <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not uh, creative in that way. But you want to talk a little bit about how you? No, no. Does it come from your writing? Is it a whole different process altogether? It basically the the way that I think about a presentation is is it, I think of them. And this it's funny because when I think of books, I think of my screenwriting days, and when I think of presentations, I think of my musician days. So when I think of when I whenever I think of doing a presentation, I always think of it as a pop song or you know a, 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 a musical piece so it's got a beginning a middle and an end but it's going to just be very different based on what I'm what I'm trying to do so some of them will be very funny and whimsical and and you know and have you know sort of a very light tone some of them will be very serious and have you know dark overtones and stuff like that and so when I think of it like that I, I tend to I tend to write it out first um and, you know, I write out the entire thing like I, I just speak it, right? I don't speak it. I actually do write it. I don't uh, transcribe it. But I basically write it all out. And then once I get it written out, one, it makes the basis for a pretty decent white paper usually. Um, and that's a lot of where I get my presentations from is I'll write a bigger piece and then turn it into a presentation. Um, and then um, and then hopefully the, the story hangs together there. And so I turn that into the natural pauses and or visual ideas that will ultimately become the slides. And then I spend way too long trying to figure out what what visual tone that I want to create. Right. You know, so, you know, uh, you remember my, my one of my favorites is the, the, the one that I did at Content Marketing World last year where I did the whole superhero comic book thing for uh, my keynote. 
And I mean, I spent, I, I spent a good three weeks, you know, trying to figure that out. I mean, just like figuring out how it was going to work together, how I was going to get them all in the speech bubbles and putting it, thinking about it before I even began to put, you know, like, you know, mouse clicker to PowerPoint or anything like that. And I tend to design in PowerPoint and then move to Keynote. I know that sounds a little weird, but PowerPoint's just an easier sketch pad for me. And then I move actually to the final design in Keynote, which... You know, I won't get off on a rant here, but Keynote, you know, the way it displays high-res images and the way that it does transitions and the way it does stuff is just so much better than PowerPoint. That I, I like to work in Keynote. So, yes, I, t- I take way too much. I take way too much time to put these things together for sure. Well, and, and my dirty little secret on my presentations is that I've basically been doing the same presentation for the last five to six years, <laughs> and. <laughs> What is so? So there's there's five or six variations. There's a school of whole. Of there's a whole school of thought that basically says that's well, the way you should do it. So so I started speaking in 2007 2008, and I at the time you know wasn't known as a speaker. Didn't do a lot of speeches. Needed to get some practice. What am I going to do? And I would take anything. I was doing a lot on publishing. I was doing on some you know anything on custom publishing, custom media. Whatever they needed, whatever spot I needed to fill, I would get that done. And they would be okay presentations because they would all have to be original. I didn't know where my timing was. I you know, right. didn't, didn't have the practice time. And then once I got to a point where um, I knew where my sweet spot was, and then when I got into the when Epic Content Marketing, the book, and started to create that presentation, I took some of the old slides that I'd been working on and put that presentation together and, and spent a good... I don't know, 12 to 16 weeks, really kind of doing a speech and that worked, that didn't work, that joke didn't work, whatever, and then went work through. And, I, you know, that presentation has been modified and altered uh, 500 times. Yeah. But it's basically all the same presentation. It all gets to the point where nobody's doing a documented content marketing strategy. What is that going to be? Okay, here's the formula that we found with all the research that we did. Done. What What do you need to do? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then so when somebody says, hey, uh, Joe, we need you to do, happened the other day. Um, actually, our, <laughs> our sponsor today, go to webinar. He said, Joe, we want you to do a webinar on creating an email list. How do you do that? I said, I got that presentation. Yeah, I've done. I, the, the, the title is How Do You Build an, an Audience uh, Through Email? And it's the same presentation I give everywhere else. <laughs> it's just I focused a little bit more <laughs> on the email. email. I had three extra slides. You're not supposed the, to say that part. Look, it, <laughs> it was original to them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. but seriously, um, somebody asked me the other day, a couple weeks ago, and ta- wanted some advice on giving presentations. And I said, look, I'll be honest, in the beginning, if you don't have any experience presenting, you take what you can get. Just like anything, just like right. when you're younger exactly. looking for a job, you take whatever you can get because you, you, you can't be picky at that point. But when you get to a point where you actually can be picky, you focus on something and you go deep into that area and you become the leading expert in that kind of presentation. So that's what that's all my recommendation would be. So that so when somebody thinks of, oh, I need the content marketing for financial uh financial companies or healthcare companies that you're the person they think of because you have that presentation done better than anyone else and you've been working on it for the last four or five years or whatever yeah. the case is. Yeah, and I the the way that I look at it these days is I I basically have three tentpole pieces that I create each year. So I try and create a new keynote every year. Um, and I've been, you know, I'm using the same keynote now and I have all, all of mine, you know, sort of emanate and launch sort of at the end of the previous year. So content marketing world is usually when I'm going to launch any new material. And so then I use that presentation for basically the, the subsequent year for a keynote and then I'll alter it for industry or for application, et cetera. And one of the best things that I did is that I actually invested, um, this year actually, and went to this thing called the A-lister, uh, event. It was a masterclass on speaking where they walk you through blocking and, and it's, it was just a fabulous experience. And it was one of the most rewarding things for me from a speaking perspective was actually 
looking at a piece of material like a keynote as a performance and really, you know, really honing in on it. And for that, you have to know the material. So, you know, it's, it's basically supporting what you're talking about, which is getting really good at performing one talk really, really, you know, backwards and forwards so that you can know your stage movement, know your jokes, where they're going to land, et cetera, um, and do that. And then my other two are usually going to be something around intelligent content or a technology-oriented presentation because I get called on to do that quite a bit, and that's going to just be whatever the flavor sure. is for that year. Um, and then there's my workshop, my my class, my master class every year, which is th- – that's the labor of love, right? So that I start – in July or August. And that's, you know, that's nine hours of presentation material. So it's, it's, I start that in August. Um, and usually I'm working on it feverishly through content marketing world and through September so that it's ready to go, um, in October, um, and, uh, and, and November when we start doing master classes and, and then it gets honed over those six, you know, six or eight classes that we'll do in master classes. And then it finally ends up being what you see in CMI university. So it's, uh, that's that's an every year sort of thing for me. So those are the three that I work on every year, and I just try and get really good at them. Well, and I think a lot of people. I mean, you know this. You you go out there and you give a performance, and I think a lot of people that I know that want to speak, they focus so much on the educational nature of their talk, which is important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you've got to remember that number one, you're in the entertainment business. Absolutely, you're up there entertain. I don't care if it's a workshop or a keynote. You are entertaining, and if you aren't entertaining them, you're not going to be very good at this. Yeah. So, so one of one of my clients said, I, "I love this quote," and she couldn't remember, and I can't remember who actually said it first. Which is, those who don't understand uh, the difference between education and entertainment don't understand either of them, right? And it's <laughs> it's it's you know it's because you've got to have both it, to do anything. You've got to do both. Well, I think that's and so a great takeaway for anybody that wants to do presentations is exactly that. And realize what business you're in, right? Are you in the transportation? You talk about it all the time. Yeah. What business are you in? Um, and, and the business that you are in, if you are public speaking. And by the way, it goes for writing and books and podcasts and everything else. First and foremost, you're in the entertainment business. Make them feel and something. If you make them feel, if if you make them, feel, uh, if they're emotionally vested in in it, and they are emotionally and and they become entertained in some way, they will be then open to being educated by you. And I I believe that since day one. So speaking of entertaining, and education, and the magical combination that that provides, we've got the most amazing, wonderful sponsor to talk about we, we just have to talk about them because that i mean you just mentioned them and i did and, and and it's you know maybe maybe you'll do something different for them now that they're a sponsor it <laughs> you'll, hey, write, you'll write a new presentation it was a them. great it was it, the, the presentation was fantastic i see just because i gave a little bit of secret here don't don't think that it wasn't fantastic. You're getting Anyways, the secret sauce, folks. That's exactly. We're going in deep here. Uh, special thanks to our sponsor of this episode, GoToWebinar. And as you know this, Robert, as content marketers, we're a bit like triathletes. We've just been talking about this. <laughs> Thankfully, webinars help us as we compete for mindshare across content formats. The research is clear. An effective webinar engages customers, builds thought leadership, and sells products. Uh, GoToWebinar has created a, an amazing ebook that'll show you how to attract and engage your audience, create your webinar content, and interact authentically with customers. It's called Why Webinars Help Marketers Win. Start rocking your lead gen with webinars. You can get it at cmi.media slash PNR 189. We are on episode 189, correct? Is that correct? We are. Oh, thank goodness. I got it right. Yeah, it has been a while. I've been <laughs> off. A little bit rusty here. CMI.media slash PNR189 to get the awesome GoToWebinar ebook called Why Webinars Help Marketers Win. It's another great piece of education and entertainment from our friends at GoToWebinar and download it as soon as you possibly can. And thanks to our friends at GoToWebinar for making this possible. Absolutely. What a great, it's a, it's a great piece. It really is. It's a real, it really is. Um, and thank you to the GoToWebinar folks. Um, so instead of rants and raves, we are not doing rants and raves. This where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel stylish or unfashionable. We're going to do a little bit of a different thing here, which is we're almost exactly 
almost exactly at the midpoint of 2017. And so I want to know, Joe, what is your prediction for what will be the biggest story of the second half of 2017 in content marketing? The biggest story for the second half. And you need to know that I did not um, read what we were going to do for this part. So I don't have anything ready. So this is completely off the cuff. This is as this, this could be like live radio. Yeah. Um, I, I guess a couple things. The first, first thing is I'm re I'm really all in on this print comeback. I mean, I know it seems silly because everybody's thinking digital, but it's so hard to break through quickly in digital without putting a lot of ad dollars behind it. Um, for content marketing, for advertising, whatever it is, it's hard to break through. And I think print is so much easier to break through today because everybody's dropped off the face of the earth. So we saw with you know Airbnb and, and Lincoln Electric uh, with their awesome magazine, I think you're going to see more of that happen, more, a lot more money go into that area. And by the way, I need to tell you this because I don't know why it just came into my head. So we were in... Um, uh, is it how do you is it Cannes or is it Con? Is it it's Con Film Festival? Con, right, the Con, Con Film Festival. Yeah, yeah. Con Film Festival. So we were there um, in Con with the family, and there was um, an advertising event going on. I couldn't well, believe it's the, it. It's the, what's the Con Lions? I mean, you you know you're there. For, <laughs> that's so funny that you don't know. This. I didn't know. So, <laughs> I had no idea. I, I know. So I didn't, awesome. I had no <laughs> idea. I like literally the walked Con out Lion the show. Awards. It's it's the it's the it's uh, I mean I, you know. It's the event for advertising. It is the event. Like, and I didn't even it know was, what was going yeah, on until go. I got there. You know how That's I knew? Awesome. Be- because Snapchat was there. Yeah, and exactly. They, spe- they had a whole Ferris wheel out here. They, I was right there. I oh went my up. God. So That's I went so up awesome. to them. I, I, so I walk around and I'm like, the kids and I are like, That's a that's a Ferris wheel and it's it's customized to Snapchat. And I'm fascinated, so I'm talking to my wife about it. I'm like, I got to go up and talk to the person. So I, I had some um, vanilla eclairs that I got in another booth walking by, and I could take these eclairs and I gave them to this woman that was working the Snapchat Ferris wheel, and I yeah. gave them to her and I said, "This is for you. Can I ask you some questions?" She said, "Sure, whatever." She was really happy and really young, and she said, and I asked her, I said. Um, did, you, did Snapchat make this Ferris wheel customized just for this event? Or did you take a Ferris wheel and put your logo on it? And she said, oh, no, this is completely 100% customized. We spent a lot of money on this. And so I'm thinking, I'm That's looking at That's the big news story, by the way. This is the big news story coming out of the con line is how huge Facebook and Snapchat are at, the, at this year's event. Well, so... And I'm looking at this thing. They spent easily a million dollars plus on it. Had probably more than that on this Ferris wheel. It was, it was pretty fantastic. And then I walk down the street a little bit, and they have Snapchat has a whole section reserved. Um, and there's, I couldn't. I had to like double check and see if this. They made a wrought iron fence with Snapchat's logo. Th- this was this was not like plastic. It was like somebody went in and like welded this thing <laughs> like what 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 kind of funny money do you have that you're gonna it, it was totally unnecessary and awesome all at the same time <laughs> like are you kidding me that they did this um my takeaway from this is as i'm talking about my predictions for content marketing is sure how still insignificant content marketing is when you have people that are throwing around ungodly amounts of money at this at yeah, the con lion advertising award show it was silly to see the extravagance that's going on. And so we still have so very, when you don't even need a justification for a Ferris wheel <laughs> to try to get attention of advertisers and spend that kind of money. When, and, and you could say, well, I need $50,000 to do a custom magazine, and people are saying no to that. So that's my... That's my take. yeah. Well, mine is mine is mine is related to that. Oh, although my I'm goodness, I'm still. I have I'm pictures, still, by the way, of the Ferris wheel. It's awesome. I'm. I'm uh, this is so funny that, that <laughs> I'm giggling that that you're that you find yourself in Con France at the Con Lion. I didn't even. 
<laughs> I, it's so stupid no because idea. I had to go up. I had to go because you know, Micro's oh Bing is there. Facebook is there. Snapchat is there. And I'm like, yeah. This is this. And I'm, of course, I'm really bright, right? Oh, this must be some kind of marketing or advertising event. I better go up and ask. <laughs> the guy looks at me like, yeah, this is like the biggest advertising awards in the world. So. Hi. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. All right. <laughs> well, here's, here's here, yeah, my, mine is related in the sense that, you know, some of the, some of the things, <laughs> it's just so funny because I'm sitting here in hot Los Angeles following all of the things coming out of the con lion events, right? All the talks and the speeches and everything and the, oh, and, goodness. you know, having discussions with colleagues about, oh my God, what about this and what about that? Um, and this, and, you, and you're there. That's so, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, mine, my prediction for the biggest news story. Now, I don't know how much of an accurate prediction this is going to be, but my prediction for the biggest news story is that television advertising is, by the end of this year, the news story will be how dead it really is. Um, and I know we've talked on this show many times about how we don't think it's dying. We don't think it's, you know, and 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 all the money on Ferris wheels that are getting spent, et cetera. Yeah. But there's some really interesting numbers that are coming out now in terms of how quickly um, TV and the challenges that TV and, and broadcast advertising and digital banner ad advertising is how sharply it's really starting to fall. And I think we may be starting to see the the, you know, the floor fall out from underneath, you know, we, we're seeing, you know, all kinds of interesting data points as Unilever and, and P&G start to really reorganize the way they do advertising and marketing um, and all those kinds of things. I just think that the biggest news story, whether accurate or not, is going to be, you know, when we get to around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, is going to be how sharply 2017 was for uh, for advertising as a medium, and and it's gonna be it's gonna be some. I think there's gonna be some real soul searching. So maybe maybe it is time for the content marketing Ferris wheel at, at, in Cleveland. Well, <laughs> well yeah, exactly. Um, the, I think you could have something there because it, it almost reminds me of in 2007 where people were taking you know six mortgages on six different houses that they couldn't afford. Yeah, and, and how no, quickly and, it fell. Yeah, and how quickly that fell, and maybe you know that was sort of the sign of the times where you know th- there's going to be some financial crisis. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the Snapchat, the Snapchat Ferris, Ferris, wheel. Ferris wheel. There you go. By the way, I is just the texted sign you the of the apocalypse of advertising. I, I just texted you the picture. Just so I, I saw it. it. I can okay. see it here. Yeah, it looks, you probably uh, saw it on a news thing, but but you didn't get. You got this is unfiltered. The yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. So So anyway, so there's our two predictions, and so we have a wonderful. Just to close us out here, we have a wonderful this old marketing example. And you have um, this old marketing this week. I do. Yes, (laughs) I know that's shocking. I know that's I know that's terribly shocking. Yes, but I do actually have it this week. So here's the fun part of this. Um, This actually really happened. So um, when I was a kid, so my birthday is this week. Um, this coming week, and um, I'll be 51 years old. There, I said it out loud. Ugh, I'm sigh, heavy sigh. Um, and the interesting thing is, is that when I was a kid, um, I rode a my very first sort of big adult kid toy was a motorcycle, and it was a Kawasaki motorcycle. And the Kawasaki motors, I had a little dirt bike, a little Kawasaki dirt bike when I was a kid and rode it around the neighborhood and, and all of that. And, and interestingly, one of my family members sent me um, this old, like, sent me a box of stuff, right? A box of my, you know, uh, of, of, you know, photos and stuff like that from when I was a kid. One of the things that it was in there was this magazine that I subscribed to um, when I was a when when I was a kid and had this uh, motorcycle, which was Kawasaki's Good Times magazine. And so I go to do a little look here, and it's like there, Kawasaki, this the company is exactly the same age as me, which is fascinating to me. It was born in 1966, right? So it's 51 years old, and so last year they had their big 50 year. Uh, anniversary. Um, and they, I found this article, and this is what we'll link to in the show notes, was the sort of um, 
retrospective of the Good Times magazine, which was Kawasaki's customer magazine back in the day, its content marketing platform. And they rolled the first issue out. I didn't know this when I got the magazine when I was a kid in 1983. So I was I was there for the very beginning of Good Times magazine. And basically, it was a slick monthly magazine um, with really cool photography and, and a, um, you know, basically went to those people who actually um, wanted to think about magazines, like you could pick it up in the dealerships or you could get it mailed to you. And by the time they reached their peak, um, which was in two from two years when they launched, they reached a peak of 2.2 million subscribers, which interestingly, they make the comparison. That's the comparison to today's ESPN, the magazine, print wow. magazine. Yeah. So it's two, two, you know, a little over 2 million in, in, in subscribers, um, which dwarfed any other motorcycle magazine of that time, right? That they say basically any other motorcycle magazine of that time had barely 25% of that circulation. So they were the most by far popular motorcycle magazine for consumers. And they said it, uh, it took its name from the, the product oriented tagline, you know, which was good times, of course. Um, and then basically they, they said that was it successful as they did the retrospective? And as they were looking back, it was, as they say, it was enormously successful. Successful. The dealers that loved this magazine apparently would tell the Kawasaki um, marketing people that people came in with the magazine clutched in their hands saying, I want to buy this motorcycle, right? They would point to some article with that motorcycle in it. So it was a huge popular success, ran for almost uh, 10 years. Um, during the 80s into the into the early 90s, and then as digital started to come in in the early and mid 90s, um, they killed it in uh, favor of some digital. And then I went on the site, and I actually can't find any anything that they're doing with it today. So, hey Kawasaki, if you're out there listening, it would be interesting for you to revive the Good Times brand in a in a content platform of some kind. So, because it looks like it's not been done in. Um, in, in a long time, so so there's your this old marketing yeah, this week. You know we have the we have the the CMO VP of of marketing uh, speaking at content marketing world. Maybe we should uh, of Kawasaki. Oak. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. how about that? So we're gonna we'll have to make I'll have to make a love connection there. And we'll there it is. We'll say we want good times back specifically because it's the same age as Robert Rose. Absolutely, there you have it. Uh, well, happy happy birthday this week. This is. Oh, thank uh, do you. you have any Do you have any birthday plans? I do. It's uh, I'm, I'm as the famous quote from Office Space goes. I'm going to do nothing and hope that it's everything that I hope it could be. I actually have some Mexican food and some tequila planned for Friday. My birthday's on Wednesdays, but but Friday will be my celebration day. So. Uh, I'm actually going on Thursday and teaching a workshop to our wonderful parent company at the UBM. They're having their big marketing event here in Santa Monica. So I'll be down there for that full day uh, lollipop. And then, uh, yeah, and then enjoying a long weekend over the 4th of July holiday and all of that for uh, for uh, my birthday. Oh, How about you? That's very nice. You're, you got to get to work. You got well, some yeah, emails, well, I suspect. Yeah, to right now I'm looking at like 900 or so emails that I, I have to do something with. And if I had to yeah. guess, I would say probably 200 like legitimate emails that i have to do something with there it is maybe less than that so that'll be i'll be in a little bit of email tomorrow hopefully. i suspect that i I, su- I suspect i'm looking out into my future and i see the letters fw fw a lot of fws in my inbox by tomorrow afternoon <laughs> i was i was actually i totally was like all right, what, it's a little bit of a subtle we, joke, but now but I, mean, I, but now I get it. Yeah, yes. you're, 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 and you're you know, you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah. There's, I'm going to see if I can forward. If I had an out of office thing that could automatically forward to certain people based on keyword, which I think can actually be done. I think you can do that, actually. But I, yeah. I have not done that. That's what I need to do. So anything yeah. consulting-related or we need a speaker <laughs> or any, like, we need, like, actual work done, then we send that to Robert because Joe's not doing any work right now. <laughs> but, no, but, uh, you know, I just want to thank all the listeners for kind of putting up with us this week as we, you know, take our summer vacations and get back to the grind and hopefully absolutely absolutely hope it was interesting for you folks um looking in and getting a peek and putting up with us 
as uh, these two chuckleheads sort of uh, enjoy and catching up on uh, on our on our travels. Next week we're back to our normal stuff. So those of you who hated this episode, you can rest assured that we'll be back to the news <laughs> next week. Um, and uh, for this episode number one eighty nine, that's it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We are signing off. Um, thank you to Go to Webinar for sponsoring our wonderful show this week. And if you like this episode number one eighty nine, won't you leave us a kind review on iTunes? And in fact, just go back to listen to 188 and 187 and 186 and 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 just, yeah, leave us a kind review on that one. Um, and if you haven't yet, consider subscribing, won't you? iTunes, Stitcher.com, your favorite podcatcher, whatever you like. And when you leave us a review or if you subscribe, do leave us a note, won't you? Hashtag us up on the Twitter, This Old Marketing. We would love to thank you personally for all of that. That's how much we appreciate you as a listener to our little hour of nonsense here. And of course, story ideas, story ideas, story ideas. We need them. We love them. Hashtag us up at This Old Marketing on Twitter. Or of course, you can send us an email at This Old Marketing at ContentInstitute.com. All the links we talked about today, which were absolutely none, will be available in the show notes, and except for the This Old Marketing, of course. And we publish on Monday night, of course, and our full replete technical glory at uh, thisoldmarketing.com on Saturdays. Well, until next week, everybody, remember it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.